So he, he's really, really quiet. And I'm just like shoving things in my bag. And I'm like, we're going home. And, um, he's like, mom, uh, can I just talk at you for a moment? And I was like, okay. And he's like, mom, you've already ran the marathon. You've already run the marathon. You, you literally trained and ran 20 miles two weeks ago. He's like, or three weeks ago. He's like, you, you have done the work. He said, who cares about this race tomorrow? He's like, you don't want to run this race tomorrow because you're not at your best. He said, go home, train next year, come back and run it like a badass next year, the badass that you are. And I was like, he, like I raised this kid well, you know, like, like he really, he did. he, He like saved me in that moment. Are you constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week on the show, we coach you to grow as a runner, just like the process of building a strong, durable home that will last a lifetime requiring little maintenance. The design and planning is your mindset. The foundation is your strength training. The framing is your run plan. The electrical and plumbing is your nutrition. The insulation, drywall, and flooring is your recovery. The landscaping and exterior is your race strategy. If you master the six parts of growing as a runner, your running will be strong and last long, hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every week, we help a runner just like you build their dream home. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Have you been struggling with a nagging injury that left you depressed, defeated, and you thought you would have to defer the one time that you got selected for the race of your dreams? That is what Mary thought, and she got selected for the New York City Marathon Lottery after she suffered a hamstring injury. And if you have ever had upper hamstring pain that has limited you from exercise that provides like the stress relief from your busy family and work life, then you need to listen to Mary's story from one adult onset runner to another. (laughs) Mary is going to detail her journey in how she went from being depressed after she made the difficult decision to cancel running the Detroit free press marathon a week before the race because her pain was so significant to finding the exact steps to safely get back to running and crushing her marathon debut in New York. I have had the pleasure to witness Mary's transformation firsthand as her running physical therapist and coach through our Spark Healthy Runner signature coaching program. And Mary, like so many 
of the clients that <laughs> I am fortunate enough to work with is exactly why I am passionate about what I do today. So Mary is such a gem and <laughs> you guys are going to love her. So Mary, thank <laughs> you for agreeing to share your story and your experience dealing with this stubborn injury and then sharing really what you found most helpful overcoming this injury and making some amazing memories that you made in New York that will certainly last a lifetime. And if you're listening to this right now and you're currently battling an injury that has forced you to stop running, it is my hope that this provides you some inspiration, that it is possible to overcome your injury and get back to doing the thing that you love um, I know it is scary. I know people feel defeated, but if you're like Mary, then you probably already have tried stopping running for a period of time, went to rehab, tried dry needling. Heck, you may have even hired a run coach, but the pain always seems to come back or you can't get back to doing what you love to do before your injury. So Mary, thank you so much for coming on to share your story. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Absolutely delighted to be here with you today. I've I, I've I've dreamed about this moment. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're too funny. <laughs> I'm kind of not joking. No, I'm just go ahead. Go ahead. I'm very so happy. So Mary to be here. has has listened to the podcast before and has heard an episode or two, let's say, and <laughs> pretty much um, all of them. <laughs> Do you mind just starting out kind of telling uh, people a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, what you do for a living, and like how you got into this whole running journey to begin with? Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of information. So um, I, I will tell you that, um, first of all, I live in Northeast Ohio. I'm in the Cleveland area, specifically Hudson, Ohio. Um, I work out of Akron, Ohio. I own um, currently own my own medical practice. I'm a um, urogynecologist or urology gynecology. So it's a combination. Uh, I, I trained as an OBGYN for four years. Then I did a three-year fellowship in uh, urogynecology and pelvic reconstructive surgery. So I'm, I'm a GYN surgeon. And my job basically is um, I take um, women who have some sort of problem with their pelvic floor, whether it's urinary incontinence, prolapse, um, pain, recurrent bladder infections, you name it, um, anything that has to do with the pelvic floor. And I either help them medically or surgically overcome those problems. So um, I've been in uh, practice, uh, I graduated from fellowship in 2008. So uh, about 15 years now, I believe. Yeah, 15 years. And um, and how I became, so now you want me to, any, okay. Yeah, we could, we could segue to your uh, running journey. So I know it did start later in life, uh, like my journey did. Mm -hmm. Well, so uh, honestly, I've, I've always sort of run. Um, and I would say sort of run is that, you know, I would go on bursts of, okay, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to exercise and uh, right, like, when I was pregnant, I would swim, um, or, and, and that would be like my obsession for however, nine months. <laughs> um, and then, um, with running, it would intermittently be there in the background just, but I'd never ran more than three miles at a time. So, so the longest, I mean, I literally think before I started training for the Detroit marathon a year and a half ago, the longest I'd ever run is four miles and at, at one time. And, um, I, I kind of want to step back just a little bit to, the, what 
uh, well, I'm going to step way back. When I was in medical school, my husband and I um, were both in medical school together, married in medical school. And he's always been a big runner. And he um, he ran uh, his first marathon, the Cleveland Marathon, when we were in med school. And then um, he ran the Chicago Marathon shortly after, like a year or two later. And he's run three more since. I think he did Cincinnati Columbus and the Akron Towpath Marathon in the, in the um, National Park here near us. And... I never would have thought before I went and watched somebody run a marathon that it's actually fun to watch somebody run a marathon. It's incredibly exciting. You're, you're running around trying to meet up with them. You're emotional because you know how hard they've worked to be in it. And you're just in awe and impressed by their physical prowess that they can, <laughs> that they can actually endure, you know, this is an endurance sport that they can actually run that many miles. And it never occurred to me um, for many years that that would be something that I could do. And then over time, I've thought, you know, I think I, I think on my bucket list, I want to run a marathon. You know, I saw my husband do five of them and, and it always inspired me. And, and so I was always kind of in the back of my mind. Um, so f fast forward to 2020, I'm working really hard as a physician. I, I looked around, you know, during the pandemic and I saw people kind of um, sheltering at home with their kids and being safe in their houses and working from home. And uh, my husband and I, as physicians, were still going out there. We were in the hospitals, we were in the office, and um, it was very stressful. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people saw an uptick in their drinking um, during that time, and my husband and I definitely did. So by the end of 2020, I was probably in my mind, 30 pounds overweight. I was drinking every single night, at least one or two glasses of wine. Um, I got to the point where I would be driving home from work and thinking like, okay, am I going to drink tonight? Of course I'm going to drink tonight. Uh, okay. Am I just going to have one glass of wine? I'm just going to have two glasses of wine. Am I just going to have a martini and then maybe a glass of wine? And so um, I know this podcast isn't about alcohol cessation, but basically this is kind of the start of my journey. So mm -hmm. I, um, decided, I, I saw a friend post on Facebook that um, she had read the book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And it's sort of like the book about alcohol, like choosing how to limit alcohol or stop drinking altogether. But it's not like, for, like, I, if I went to an AA meeting, I'd probably be laughed off the podium or whatever, just because it wasn't necessarily a problem per se. It was a problem for me, but not like it wasn't interfering with anything other than I guess my personal health. Um, and so I read the book and I decided then in there, December 22nd, 2020, that I was going to stop drinking permanently. And I, and I did. And so then, um, starting in 2021, I decided, okay, well, anytime I want to drink, I'm going to eat a brownie because <laughs> I have to have some sort of endorphin release, you know, I didn't know what I, I, you know, I was just trying to survive. I mean, I wasn't white knuckling it by any means. Uh, stopping drinking was actually a lot easier for me than I ever imagined because I, I, I was always one of those people that said, I never want to drink so much that I can never drink again. You know, that, that I have to stop and I have to go to, a I never wanted to be that person. And I always thought alcohol would be a part of my life in some way, shape or form. But um, turns out it was a lot easier to stop, but then I ate a lot of brownies that year. And um, by the fall of 2021, I was probably 50 pounds overweight. I mean, I gained like 15 or 20 pounds after I quit drinking, which was 100% the opposite thing that I thought was going to happen. Um, honestly, I thought I was going to stop drinking and the weight was going to just melt off of me and I was going to be glorious again like I was when I was 20, but it didn't happen. And um, 
and so then I, I met up with some friends in the fall of 2021 and friends from residency. And one of the doctors that I, I was good friends with, she just looked at me and she was like, this doesn't seem like you, like you don't, you're, you don't seem like you should be 50 pounds overweight. And I, I, I didn't look bad. You know, I looked, I still was athletic. I was still working out and everything, but I just wasn't, it just wasn't quite right. So then I kind of got control of that and um, I started to lose weight and I lost about 50 pounds. I did lose 50 pounds um, by the spring of 2022. So now fast forward, you know, to uh, May of 2022 and I was working out. I was doing a lot of Peloton um, exercises or or workouts. And uh, one of the programs on Peloton was you can run outdoors. And I thought, gosh, you know, I haven't run since before the pandemic, I was the only running that I did before the pandemic was at Orange Theory. You know, you hop on the treadmill for whatever period of time. And um, and I, I wouldn't call myself a runner because I ran at Orange Theory, but you know, part of the, <laughs> part of the workout. Um, so um, so I decided you could run outdoors program. And it was is very, very, very slow. Like, you know, OK, so today we're going to walk run for, you know, a mile or whatever. And and they take you through pacing and form and cadence and all these things that I never actually knew about running because I'm not a runner. And I just all of a sudden was like, wow, I get it. Like I get how my feet are supposed to be underneath me, not like stretched out in front of me, or I get how I'm supposed to keep my shoulders back and my chin up and you know, all these things that I just never knew about running. And so I got kind of excited. And at this point now, uh, by the time I finished that eight week program, I had maybe 50 miles under my belt running. So then I decided being the brilliant person that I am, that I was (laughs) going to do their road to 26.2. And I was going to do their marathon training program because, hey, this was so much fun. Why can't I run 26 miles? I can run four now. So I I um I, I signed up for their their road to 26.2 with a base of 50 miles and um and I signed up for the Detroit Marathon and I got really excited about it and I followed the program to a T. Everything that they said to do I did. I didn't miss a single workout for 18 weeks. I did everything I was supposed to do. And by the end of my training I'd run something like 400 miles and I think I've read in your, or I've listened in your podcast, tell me exactly how many miles you recommend for p- people to run before, to have as their base before they start training for a marathon. Yeah, it is around 500. Yes. Um, that yeah. we usually, you know, recommend. <laughs> yeah. So I was at 440 by the time I was ready to run the Detroit marathon. I didn't, I had, I wasn't even at the base before you start, right. you would start to train for a marathon. Right. Your base so, training was basically your marathon training. Correct. <laughs> I, I told Andy today, my husband, I said, it was like I was doing a couch to 26.2. Like you don't do that. You can do a couch to 5k, <laughs> but probably not a couch to 26.2. So, um, so as I was training, um, they would say, um, Hey, run this, run this long run at your easy pace. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to run this at my easy pace. I'm going to push this mother, you know, cause I want to run this marathon as fast as I pop. I just, I want to, I want to qualify for the Boston marathon with my first marathon. Just show everybody how amazing I am. <laughs> you know, it was ridiculous. So I would run my, my, my long runs 
like my, my, my slow pace is probably 10, 10, 15. I would run my slow, my long runs at like a nine, 15, nine minute pace while I was training. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yep. so, and I would run, I would do every run like that. Every run was as hard, as hard as I could push it. And about, um, I would say week 15, um, I was noticing that after my runs, I was like limping, like my, my hamstring wouldn't like move with my body. I don't know how to explain it. It was, it's just like my staff would say when I would get to the office, like you, you're, you're limping. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I just, I just, I just ran a, a hard race. Sorry. My, my light kind of went out there. Um, I just ran a, a hard run. And, and so I'm just a little sore, you know, and I didn't, in my mind, I didn't see this as a red flag. And also I started noticing that it was really hard to sit in the car. So um, I, I had a lot of pain with sitting and I ended up buying like a cushion for the seat in my car. And I just figured this was all part of the training. I didn't really realize that I was getting into trouble. So I ran my last 20 mile last long run before the taper. And that was three weeks before Detroit. And then um, I did sort of hold on one second. Do you, do you mind if I interject right here? Oh, please do. Yeah. I'm just rambling. No, no. Yeah. Because yeah. this is, you said so many things that I think are going to be so helpful to everyone listening to this. Okay, honestly. Okay. Um, because you're not alone. First off, you, <laughs> this is quite common, actually, like your trajectory and what you did, you had like a big why in why you started running. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was because you really wanted a, a healthier life, right? Like mm -hmm. you yes. went through all of COVID, like on the front lines, you and your husband, thank you, by the way, <laughs> for like, I can't imagine and being a healthcare provider who actually wasn't on the front lines anymore and like treating in a clinic that I know a lot of like colleagues, but you guys were like literally in the hospital. So literally front lines. Um, I can't imagine how stressful it was, right? Like everyone was going through stress of COVID. Like, I don't think anyone listening to this right now doesn't think about like the stress they were under during that time. For you, right. that was like 10X, 12X, 20X, because you were literally right on the front lines. But you wanted to kind of make a change and you wanted to get rid of the alcohol first. And then it was pretty much turned to food, right? So then you needed to <laughs> kind of lose some weight, right? <laughs> and that's how you were managing your stress. And now you wanted to turn to like healthier alternatives to help manage stress and yeah. to get control of your life back. And we all wanted some sense of control during that time period, didn't we? Because mm -hmm. we yes. didn't have any control, right? We had no clue what the heck was going on, yes. right? We didn't know what this was going to end up as. We didn't know how it was going to affect our lives, our families, our jobs, or right? Like, mm -hmm. so you wanted some sense of control. So you took up running and you really started out and was like, oh, okay, I, I can do this and, mm -hmm. and started building up. And yeah, just for anyone listening to this right now, if you do that, you know, we don't recommend going couch to marathon, but if, or if it's your first marathon, you don't even need to do a 20 miler, by the way. Yeah. So okay. I just want to express that to everyone that yeah. usually 18 is usually where we probably max out for someone's first marathon. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to kind of jump in there and make that point and also acknowledge to you. I thought it was funny how you said uh, that you literally did it 
the the plan to a T because you could tell like you you like get stuff done. Like you not only, you know, want to become a doctor, but like you had to get two specialties, right? And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <not> one, <laughs> yeah. you didn't want to be a specialist, but you had to get two specialties. Yeah. 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 So you're an overachiever. I could see that. Yes. And you like followed the plan to a T, um, which it's good to follow a plan, but unfortunately it wasn't the right plan for what you needed at that time for where your fitness level was and just being like new to running. And then can I just give a, a, a quick shout out to, to you? Because I remember when we had first met, you had told me that you started listening to the podcast and that you actually had a podcast as well, that you mm -hmm. really produced more to share like patient stories of issues that women were struggling with and no one talks about. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've had a couple episodes on on the Healthy Runner podcast about some, you know, female related running problems. And if you don't mind, um, maybe just sharing briefly, if that yeah. is possible, uh, kind of like what's the most common um, issue that women runners are going to suffer from. And then if you don't mind, I know you kind of have this batch of content, which I listened to and was like, absolutely phenomenal. If people are struggling with those pathologies and those um, pain points and struggle points, you know, where could they go to listen to some of those episodes that you have compiled? Yeah. So my podcast is called Girl Problems, um, uh, apt, aptly named. And it is, um, I don't have a ton of episodes. Um, I, I did a bunch and then actually, um, as I did them and marketed them, my practice got so busy that it was actually hard to keep up with them, but, um, I'm hoping eventually to get back to them, but they're, they, I still refer, I still refer my patients to them all the time. Um, but they're on every platform. So they're on Apple, they're on Spotify, you know, any, any podcast uh, platform you can, you can find, find it, but it's um, called girl problems. And uh, yeah, I recorded in, I got, I had my attorney for my practice write up a consent. And so I, I consented patients to kind of answer questions for me. So I would interview, like, as I'm interviewing, interviewing them in the office, just like I normally would, I would say, Hey, do you mind if I just record this with my app, you know, iPhone? And so when I record my educational segments within the podcast, I was using a microphone like you're using, but, um, but then I would splice in these, these, um, uh, patient interviews in, in within the educational portions. And I, I think it actually did turn out very nicely. I had people listening to it all over the world, which is kind of exciting. Um, so I, I would like to get back to it eventually, but it, it I, I props to you actually, because, Doing a podcast, even one episode, takes a tremendous amount of time between just the content itself and then editing it and marketing it and getting it out there. And I think um, one of the reasons why I did it is because I have the same conversation with a woman over and over and over again in the office. And I thought, it's not like I'm saying something unique here that's tailored specifically to this one patient. Well, I mean, a lot, it often, I mean, I do tailor it to that patient, but there's so much that I say that's very repetitious. And I was like, I'd really like to just say, listen to this episode. <laughs> this is going to really help you. And plus, then I don't forget. I mean, I also felt like it's kind of quality control because I might tell one patient this part of it, and I might tell another patient that part of it. 
and they don't necessarily get all of the information because you're in a doctor's office and things are moving fast and you've got questions and the doctor has questions and then prescriptions have to be sent. And, you know, so there's all kinds of moving parts. And so I said, after, you know, I'll hand them a little card after, after this um, visit, listen to the episode on such and such. Um, so it has been helpful from that standpoint. Now, regarding what I just had a patient come in my office the other day. She was a runner. She just ran the Akron Marathon this fall. And she said, look, I love to run, but when I run, every step I take, a little pee comes out. You know, And that's called stress incontinence. Um, and stress incontinence is basically leakage with cough, laugh, sneeze, running, jumping, bending, lifting, stepping off a um, curb, jumping on a tra- trampoline. You hear all kinds of things. Um, this is most correlated with childbirth. So injury that happens at the time of childbirth, you might notice it happen immediately after and continue on the rest of your life, or it might've happened and you didn't realize there was an injury. Um, and then, um, over time, uh, the, the urethra becomes weaker and weaker and it just can't hold, hold the urine back basically. So, so stress incontinence is the number one complaint I get from runners. And the beautiful thing about that is that stress incontinence is the easiest thing for me to fix. And um, the, the, the most um, common way to fix it, and I would say what we consider the gold standard is a mid-urethral sling. So this is a transvaginal mesh, and that's sort of a hot topic buzzword, and people go crazy when you say transvaginal mesh. But um, we have over 460 studies in our literature supporting the safety and efficacy of the mid-urethral sling. So um, I do a couple hundred of them a year, and uh, there's very few complications, and it is incredibly successful at 95% satisfaction rate at 15 years. So um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who would love to sue big um, companies um, that are, you know, device companies that are putting out these slings and, and fill their pockets. Um, sorry, that was a, <laughs> I'm getting yeah. a, a showing my biased yeah, opinion yeah. here. Um, <laughs> but um, so there's a lot of money in trying to make transvaginal mesh look bad, um, but I wouldn't do it. I would not do it if I thought that I was putting people in harm's way. And I would recommend it to my mother, my grandmother, my sister, my daughters, if they needed it. Um, so, for all those runners out there who leak with cough, laugh, and sneeze, um, I highly recommend a major sling. <laughs> um, and then obviously there's the stool issue, which we, I don't want to get into too much, but um, people can always uh, message me or DM me if they want to. Um, I have Instagram and Facebook. And so if you're, if you have any questions about uh, stool issues when you're running too, I can help with that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we've, ta- you, we've, ta- we've talked about that. You and I have talked about that. Uh, aw- yeah. One of our awkward, one of our awkward, more awkward <laughs> Zoom calls. So, Dwayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about everything on our calls, right? Uh, uh, no, thank we- you for sharing that. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And seriously, like as you were talking about this, I'm like, all right. I'm going to need to get Mary back on the show to do a whole episode on like stress and comments. Um, hey, hey man, I'll be, I'll be, that. I'll be your wingman. I'll, I'll get on this show anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, um, no, thank you for sharing that. Cause I know it is a struggle for many runners. And like I mentioned guys that Mary had, and I give you so much credit. I told you this, how you really formatted your podcast does require a lot of editing, but it's literally true patience from their own mouth, like what's going on. And so if you are struggling with any of these issues, like go check out girl problems, see some of the episodes. And, um, 
it will definitely be educational and informative. And I could definitely relate to what you mentioned about like saying the same thing over and over again. Right. And like, yeah. if you think about our last call before your New York city marathon, I gave you like a reading list. I gave you homework, right? I, know. I was like, I want you to listen to this podcast, this one, this one, and this order, because I knew it went more in depth than we could in our hour, like one-on-one -on -one call where I really wanted things to kind of sink in. And so you can be like fully prepared, whether it was like mentally, um, nutrition, prep wise, hydration, right? So I can definitely relate to wanting to create content that's evergreen. And that's what, you know, even though, like you said, your practice kind of expanded so much where you didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of episodes, but all of the content there is evergreen and it's it's going to be right, right. really helpful for so many people. So right. I would it highly really, recommend it. it. It doesn't age with time. I mean, it might be a little outdated 20 or 30 years from now, but it's not certainly not outdated now. It actually, um, I was thinking about this very topic or concept when, when I was listening to your 200th episode, because Carolyn said something to you about, well, what would you say you can help more people with your podcast or with your practice? And, and I was like, come on like that there's a, a no-brainer man and i knew you were like well absolutely i would say my podcast and i was like yeah like you could reach so many more people and i mean obviously you reached me i'm not in connecticut i'm not going to your clinic and you didn't help me that way um which sort of i guess brings us back to how i found you in the first place so to to get through my running journey to Detroit, you said that i i i knew i i did injure myself a week before but i didn't decide not to run until the day before. So, wow. um, yeah, it the day before it's it no, no I, I do have to say, tell this story because this is so for any, any athlete or any runner out there, like this would be like your worst nightmare. Like this is why I had little PTSD heading into New York because, um, I, in, so the last Sunday before the marathon, my husband and I went out to do my last 10 mile run. And he's like, Mare, I don't think you should do this. I think you should just take this easy. I don't, let's run slower. Let's, let's do five miles instead of 10. I was, no, no, I'm doing this. So it's tightening up, tightening up my hamstrings, tightening up. And then we get to mile six and all of a sudden it was like, Pling! like, like I just felt a seizure in my hamstring and my glute muscle all at one time. Like I felt it. I don't know. I don't know what to say. A pop. It was just like, it was like a, a violin string just snapped. Like it was bad and it hurt like a mother. Like I, I could barely walk and we were four miles out from the car and he was like, okay, you go sit by the train track and I'm going <laughs> to run back to the car and come back and pick you up. And I'm like laying on the ground when he gets back to me and I'm like sobbing hysterically. Cause I'm, I basically knew like it was over. Um, and so, um, but I, of course, didn't give up. I um, then spent the week before Detroit, I went to the stretch lab. I went to see a PT who did trigger point injections. I um, did Epsom salt baths. I did a heating pad. I did an ice bath. I did every single thing I could possibly think of. Then, um, because I'm a medical doctor um, and we know better than anyone else um, and we can do things um, to ourselves that maybe we wouldn't do to other people, I packed with me um, to New York a big vial of Marcane 
because I was like, it just kind of hurts right here. And if I just inject some Marcane in there, then maybe I can squeeze it out. I can squeeze this run out. I know this is so bad. Like, like oh talk about, I mean, nobody's going to ever want to come see me as a doctor after they hear this episode. But, <laughs> I mean, I was definitely self-treating. So, so my son and I decided to drive up on Friday night uh, to Detroit. My husband and my two girls were going to join us on Saturday night. And, um, on, on Friday night, we go out, we have this wonderful dinner. Saturday, we get up, we go look at the University of Michigan because he was applying to college. And um, then we got back to the hotel in Detroit. And I can, li- I'm literally, I don't know, I'm on the 30th floor and I can see pretty much the entire course, like down straight out of downtown, across the bridge into Canada, up under the under the river, comes out right at the bottom of our, my hotel. And I was just so excited about this marathon. But I'm like feeling in my heart, like, this, I don't think this is going to happen. Like, I just don't think it's going to happen. So I'm walking around the hotel room. I decide that afternoon I have to do my last two mile, like shakeout run. I haven't run all week. So I inject like 20 cc's of Marcane into my hip. Wait, and I think, I know, I know. You're like, Mary, you don't say this. You told me this, by the way. <laughs> you uh, never told I me this. <laughs> of course I didn't. Because you would have responded just like you did when I told you I was giving myself trigger point injection or trigger point or dry needling myself. Yeah, because I dry needled myself and you got mad at me for that too. Um, so I go out and I'm like bouncing around my hotel room and I'm like, ooh, ooh, this feels good. Like, I, I, I can't feel anything. I think this is going to work. And then I go downstairs, I leave the hotel and I start to run and I literally get 20 feet and the pain is excruciating. And I knew, okay, I'm done. Like I can't run this marathon. So I go up to my hotel room, my son's sitting there and I, he see, I walk in the room and he sees my face and I'm crying like tears running down my face. And he's like really quiet. And he's a talker. I bet that surprises you. Okay. Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> so, so he he's really really quiet, and I'm just like shoving things in my bag, and I'm like, we're going home, and um, he's like, Mom, uh, can I just talk at you for a moment? And I was like, okay. And he's like, Mom, you've already ran the marathon. You've already run the marathon. You you literally trained and ran 20 miles two weeks ago. He's like, or three weeks ago. He's like, you, you have done the work. He's, he said, who cares about this race tomorrow? He's like, you don't want to run this race tomorrow because you're not at your best. He said, go home, train next year, come back and run it like a badass next year, the badass that you are. And I was like, he, like, I raised this kid well, you know, like, like he really, yeah, you did. He, he like saved me in that moment. Most runners spend an enormous amount of time not running for one reason. They keep getting injured. Now imagine if you could have the structure of exactly what exercises, how much to run, and what you should be eating to get faster as a runner. Spark off your winter running with a four-month strong body transformation. This is one-on-one individualized healthy runner coaching to grow a stronger, injury-free body so you can run for stress relief all winter long. What will you get by the end of the 16 weeks? A strong running body so you can actually feel confident, healthy, and running faster this spring even if you don't think you're a fast runner. Oh, and did I mention this will also take away your worry of getting injured. Spots are limited, so apply using the link in the show notes before they run away. 
so we drove home and I cried all the way home. My husband was like beside himself. Like he, cause I called him and said, don't come to Detroit. You know, like we're three hours away. And I was like, don't come to Detroit. We're coming home. You know? Um, so, <laughs> so then I, um, didn't do anything for a couple weeks. I could, I was in a lot of pain actually. Um, maybe because of all the stuff I injected into myself, but also because of the pulled <laughs> muscle. And then, um, and then I decided I'm not going to give up. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to run a marathon and I'm going to run, I'm going to run Detroit next year. So, uh, in the, in January, I hired a running coach and I, um, got involved with a physical therapist, a PhD in physical therapist like you, but he was not a running coach. So I had the running coach in one hand and the, the PT in the other hand, and I got signed up with her and she's 29 years old and I'm 49 years old. And, um, and so, um, she's like, don't worry, we're going to get you on a return to run. It's going to be great. Well, literally like two weeks into my return to run, she was having me do like my Thursday short run was like eight miles and I was doing speed hills and all this stuff. And I, I injured myself right away again, boom, like that. And, um, and so I was like, you know what, probably hiring a 29 year old, like university runner who's never been in a 49 year old's body yet probably mm -hmm. wasn't the best idea. And she's great. Don't get me wrong. She's, she's right. coached a lot of people to do great things, but I wasn't the one. So I started Googling, uh, I, I self-diagnosed my proximal hamstring tendinopathy. I started Googling all the exercises I could do. I was trying to figure out a new run plan. I was trying to figure out what exercises. And then I came across your podcast and it was one of the episodes on proximal hamstring tendinopathy. And your first thing was, are you a middle-aged runner? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. I am a middle-aged runner with injuries. And like, just, I, I started... <laughs> I started listening to your episodes and I, by the way, I've, I've told you this before, but I only listen to podcasts on one and a half times speed. So like, it's always very, very fast. And the first time I spoke with you, I was like, man, he speaks a lot slower than I thought he did. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, I was like, cause like, yeah, you know, like, like, is I, he from the South? I thought yeah, Connecticut was like in the North. Like, why is he talking yeah, so I slow? I was like, yeah, like one time I actually put you on regular speed and I was like, whoa, like he's just, he's chill. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought you were super like amped up, you know, just in my own mind, but um, so then I, I, I got on your website and I started, you know, looking around your website and looking at what was on there. And then I started cyber stalking you a little bit and um, figuring out like what your day job was, <laughs> like, you know, everything. And so then I decided, you know, on your website, I can sign up for a call with you. And so uh, before our call, I was driving to Indianapolis from Cleveland to, to for a dance competition for my daughter. And I, I was listening to your podcast, like one episode after another, after another, I think I listened to probably 10 episodes just on the drive down there. And, um, yeah, I think the timing would work that I could do that anyway. Um, and then, um, I, I was, the more I listened to you, a, uh, the more I was convinced that I was the, your girl, like you were my guy, like this is, we needed to work together. <laughs> and, and B, I just was astounded by, how you got it. Like you got it. You understood what you, you might as well have been in my brain. You knew the pain that I was in physically, emotionally, you understood the drive to do what I wanted to do. Like 
I don't know how many times people said to me, well, what's the big deal? <laughs> like, You're just putting this pressure on yourself. You don't have to run a marathon. You're already a successful surgeon. You've got a happy marriage. You've got three kids. You've got all these things. Why do you need to run a marathon? You can run short distances. What's the, why are you doing this? But you understood why I would want to do this. And one of the things that you say all the time, the mind clearing miles, I think about that all the time when I'm running. I'm like, Dwayne would call this a mind clearing mile right now. Like, Really, it uh, the running is saving me. It's saving me in many ways from the the amount of stress that I'm under, um, the you know the anxiety that I feel with my job, with raising teenagers, with um, being married to a physician who's busy and he's got his stresses, and and aging parents, and you know whatever else. So um, running has given me that, and you gave it back to me. So. I can stop rambling on now. Sorry. Do you have another question? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. It's just thank you for um, sharing, honestly, and really kind of diving into what you were feeling during that time, like during that low point, right? Like before, before you actually booked the call with me and, you know, we got on the phone and I distinctively remember and. I get on a lot of calls with people and I don't remember them all. Like I distinctively remember our call because I knew like a thousand percent (laughs) that you were a good fit for how I help runners. And I knew that like, I'd be able to help you be able to, you know, learn how to do this the right way. And you were willing to learn. And like, you've clearly, like you've already talked about demonstrated, like, you can implement, right? Like if you get the plan, like you're going right. to do it. It's right. not a motivation thing for you. Like, Correct. Right? You're a doer. Um, Correct. So I, I knew that like right off the bat. And I, I just am so happy that, you know, we did find each other and then going back to kind of the side here, but like the podcast, right? Like if I never made that episode on proximal hamstring tendinopathy, because I know how frustrating it was because I had it. Like that was the first running related injury that I got. And I realized even as a PT, I'm like, I didn't really know how to treat this because I wasn't seeing a lot of long distance runners at that time in my clinical practice um, in kind of a outpatient hospital-based PT clinic. And I was like, there's not a lot of information out there. So like I wanted to help others because there's not a lot of information out there. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think so many people can honestly relate to, even if they don't have proximal hamstring tendinopathy, but they're having a frustrating injury like you were, and you were determined, like you wanted to run this marathon because you set a goal for yourself and you wanted to kind of do something, right? To like challenge yourself in this next chapter of your life journey, right? Like your kids are getting older, they're teenagers and, you know, the whole COVID stuff, right? That, that was going on. So you were at this kind of low point. Uh, so we'll, we'll call that like part one of, of <laughs> kind of pre- yeah. Pre-Spark Healthy Runner. uh, And now (laughs) let's talk kind of post us meeting and that call that we had. And um, I guess it it didn't sound like there were, but were there any hesitations for you to even reach out and actually book a call? Or after we talked on the phone, did you have any hesitations about getting signed up for a one-on-one program? Zero. I mean, my only fear was that you wouldn't take me on. As a matter of fact, I think the reason you probably remember our call was because I kept saying, I know that I am the right person to be training with you. (laughs) Like I thought I was, I I felt like more like 
I was being interviewed for a job than you were being interviewed for a job. (laughs) I mean, I was like, God, please, please take me, please, please see that you can fix me. Um, I had zero hesitation. Um, I, I, zero. I mean, really, like, I I think I, I jokingly told you recently, like, I, I mean, I, I, I paid for the, um, the rehab program with you, the restore program with you, the 16 weeks. And then um, we went on and I ended up paying, I'm not trying to be vulgar by saying paying you, but I hired you, I guess I should say, to coach me to New York. And, um, and I said, I said, my kids might not, my kids might not go to college, but I am going to run this marathon. (laughs) Because I also took off quite a bit of time from the operating room, like pre and post the marathon. And, and any, as any surgeon will tell you, like, uh, you got to be in the operating room to to generate your revenue, really. And so I, I did take off quite a bit of time at the pre pre and post marathon, like at least a week or two. Um, so, uh, but uh, so yes, so you so you ag- graciously agreed to take me on as a client, and um, and then uh, but just before we talked, um, one of the nurses in the OR had convinced me to enter the lottery for New York. And I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the New York city marathon. I didn't know anything about marathons in general. I just figured, Oh, it's a city and each city has a marathon. I didn't, I didn't understand that a marathon could be a harder marathon or an easier marathon, a flatter marathon, a hotter, you know, a colder marathon. Like I didn't look at the New York city marathon and go, well, I think it's going to be a little harder because there's five ginormous bridges. And, you know, by the way, <laughs> the first week of November, it might be kind of 63 degrees, you know, <laughs> I mean, like I didn't, I didn't take any of that into account, into account. And, um, and, and I thought, Oh, that sounds like fun. I didn't know it was the largest marathon in the world. I didn't know mm-hmm. that it takes three hours to get to the start line and you have to go by yourself and none of your family members can go with you. I didn't know that you had to wear clothing and throw it in a bin because you might need it before you run, but you can't take it with you. I mean, I didn't know any of these details. So I just go online and I signed up and boom, my credit card was charged. And I was like, Oh, I guess I'm running the New York city marathon. And then you, <laughs> and then you and I, then you and I, um, and I said, okay, I'll go back and do Detroit maybe later, you know, but if I get into New York city, I'll do New York city. It sounds really cool. So then you and I got started right away on the 16 week, uh, restore program. And I was, I was anxious because, um, in the beginning I still had pain. Um, you were telling me what exercises to do and we were working through not only regular run of the mill, if you will, runners strength exercises, but you were also doing specific, um, exercises designed for me for the injury that I had you know, working on that hamstring tendon, loading that uh, proximal hamstring tendonopathy, strengthening my hip stabilizers. And, and I, and, and we were slowly, slowly running again. And, um, and I was, I was still having pain and I was like, Oh, I hope this works. I hope I'm not the one person that like, this isn't going to work for. And, and, and it took a long time, Dwayne, during that time period, that 16 weeks. I mean, I did feel so much better by 10 weeks. By 16 weeks, I ran my 10 miles. I think you had me run 10 miles the last run of the last couple runs of the, yes. of the yep. yeah, I, I ran 10 miles and I was like, I'm running this. I don't feel the heaviness in my, my hip. I don't feel, I'm not limping after my runs, you know, and, and it really honestly worked. And, and so, but that didn't 
exactly. Um, I, I think, you know, are, 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 did, have they done like personality studies on runners? Are we like all type A or are there like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure almost everyone is <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Done an informal, informal <laughs> study. And informal, I would tell you yeah. that pretty much <laughs> yeah, yeah. anecdotally it, 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 informal survey. Uh, are you? Yeah, I am. You too. Okay. Um, so, and my husband is, um, so I, I just was still kind of nervous about the marathon training. And so when we got to the end of our 16 weeks, you were like, okay, so now here, now that you're good, um, you know, we got you pain free. Like, I think we can move you off to, to, you know, one of my other coaches. And I was like, Oh, hell no, that's not happening. And I, I remember you, t- <laughs> I remember you telling me that at like, I mean, not, not to say I am going to move over to your, one of your coaches now, but, um, but at the time when you were kind of hinting that that might happen, I was like, he's got another thing coming. If he thinks that I am not going to train for New York with him, I was he crazy. I got to all the way to Detroit. And so, yeah. So then we got on that call and, and thank God you were like, you saw, you saw my face probably when you were like, so do you, what do you think? And I was like, Mm-mm. like, we're, do you remember? I was like, we're definitely, you're, you're my guy. You're my guy. We're, <laughs> working not, together. Yeah. I'm like, you're getting like, me. Yes, Mary. We are working together. No. <laughs> you're, getting me, you're getting me to New York, man. Okay. You're getting me to New York. Um, and then the training, I don't know. You can tell me more about the training than I can tell you about the training. I mean, I, it's, uh, first of all, if for anybody, yeah, I guess if, <laughs> from what I'm hearing from you, those first 16 weeks to kind of get you pain free, if I, if I'm understanding you correctly, your perception in the beginning was kind of like, I'm not sure if this is going to work because I still right. have some pain. Like my pain right. isn't totally gone right away. And this isn't like the quick fix that I would like. Like if right. I just were to inject myself with a pain <laughs> <laughs> analgesic. I sound like you were a little skeptical, but <laughs> by yeah. the 16 weeks, it sounded like you were like, almost a little surprised, like, oh my goodness, I just did like a double digit long run and then have pain. And yeah. wow, I am feeling like stronger. And I remember you had tell, you know, told me that at that point in time where you were feeling stronger, you know, you were running consistently without pain again. And now you were officially ready to kind of start to build up um, mm-hmm. for New York. And, you know, the, the marathon training, we'll call it, because I was mm-hmm. kind of a training block. Um, and, and I guess, you know, just working together, maybe just if you can share almost like a peek behind the curtain, like, what does that look like? Or like, what was like most helpful for you, um, in oh, yeah. getting guidance yeah. and like working together, um, during either the first 16 weeks or the second 16 weeks? Well, I will tell you, um, uh, really for me that the first and the second 16 weeks kind of blend together, um, obviously my confidence is way up in the second six, second 16 week block because now we're truly training for the marathon. And, but, but I will tell you that the number one thing that you provided me, okay, wait, there's a lot of things, but first off, just the plan, the plan, the, the, the strength training combined with the running plan that you made for me, um, is huge. Okay. So that right off the bat, I felt like, okay, this is my plan. This isn't, his plan, because I'm listening to your podcast, knowing that's not what you're doing. I'm watching your Instagram posts and going, Hey, wait a second. How come he's doing 50 plus miles this week? And I'm only doing 36, you know, like I knew we weren't on the same plan. Let's put it that way. But, um, so I knew that it was designed for me, my first marathon, my first marathon for somebody who was just recovering from an injury. Um, but 
Dwayne, you personally, the, the thing that you provided for me that I am so grateful for you and why sometimes I say to Andy, I kind of love Dwayne. And he's like, I know you do, honey. You know, like, <laughs> it's because I'm sort of in love with Dwayne. Like, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not in love with you. I, I mean, I love you, but I love you a lot, but not, not in, in love way. with you. <laughs> not now. Um, anyway, is that you, when I was down, when I was feeling down during training, or I was questioning myself, or I was questioning a niggle, as you like to say, or some of your people like to say when they come on your podcast, a niggle. If I'm feeling a niggle and I'm worried about it and I'm obsessing about it, or I'm feeling a little depressed because I'm tired or I'm worn out or whatever it is, you would seem to always swoop in at the right time with an email, a text or a call that brought me right back up again. And that is huge because marathon training is amazing. It is, but it is all encompassing. It is so intense. It is so, it's your life for those four, four months. And, um, you, you know, as you, as you pointed out, you know, you, you're giving up some social things, you're eating differently, potentially you're, you're going to bed earlier. You're sacrificing some time with your family, you know, all these things still wonderful. It's all wonderful. But like to have you step in at times and say, this is all normal, Mary, 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 this is normal. <laughs> like even sometimes I was like, he's talking to me, like I'm going off the deep end and I am going off the deep end a little bit. So I'll own it, you know, like, um, but yeah, like I think just having you there as the knowledgeable person who's been through this a bunch of times, who's coached a lot of people who works with a bunch of coaches, just to have your knowledge and your reassurance, that was huge. Yeah, and I remember distinctively one of those time periods was when I was doing my East Coast trip uh, and I was with my daughter in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. I went out for a nice run in Savannah. It was like, you know, checking out the sites, the trees, it's beautiful. And then you sent me a message and I was actually, I remember distinctively the Airbnb that we rented. I was on the stairs doing my little calf stretch and I saw your text and I was like, all right, yeah this deserves a call. And I yes. was like, let's hop on a call. Cause you felt like terrible from yes. your long run that you yes. did in the Caribbean with yes. like the dew point, you know, yes. extremely, extremely high. And you were wondering, like, <clears throat> basically you felt defeated, like that your long run felt like garbage. And, you know, you started probably second, you know, guessing everything that can I even run a marathon and all that. And yeah. I was like, but wait, it was this and wait, you didn't hydrate and you didn't do electrolytes. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. one of those days because <laughs> I remember being in that Airbnb talking to you yes. and I was like, okay, this is normal. Yes. You're supposed to feel like your run is absolutely terrible in St. Thomas. Like, yeah, the dew point was like 76, it was 83 degrees. My husband and I are running in the wind and the rain and the sun along like, like in, in St. Thomas, there's only a one or two mile stretch where you can run on the entire Island. Okay. So we're running back and forth on the cement right next to the ocean <laughs> in the wind, in the rain, in the, you know, and it was like the dew point was 76. And at one point, my husband, who's a big time runner was like, Mare, I, I mean, you may be feeling great, but I don't think I'm going to make it all eight miles. I, I like, I'm getting ready to stop. And it was, we were four miles in. I was like, no, oh, we can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> that, that run, I ended up jumping off the wharf into the ocean. And then, um, 
it, cause I was like so overheated. And, um, and then I, like the next day I went to this, I, I go to this, um, uh, gym locally owned gym there when I'm down there. And, um, and the guy, I know the owner and, um, I told him, I'm like, yeah, yesterday I tried to run out and I'm running on the treadmill, but I said to him, I tried to run outside, um, yesterday down by the, um, down, down in, um, Charlotte Amelie. And, and I, I got so hot. I ended up having to jump in the water right off the wharf. And he goes, no, don't tell me that. Don't tell me you did that. Nobody does. Nobody swims there. There's boats there. That's deep. <laughs> I was like, oh seems, seems safe to me. I don't know. <laughs> he's, like, oh my goodness. he's like, have you ever seen anybody in the water down there? And I was like, uh, come to think of it. No. Um, <laughs> but oh I loved goodness. it. There's actually a picture of me on my Instagram and Facebook of me in the water at that moment. My husband wouldn't get in with me. He was really mad at me that day for jumping in the water by the, by the oh cruise goodness. ships. I don't think a cruise yeah. ship could really. I mean, I think I could swim faster than a cruise ship, don't you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's what um, it's, he so, said too. <laughs> during this second kind of marathon training block that we did, um, were you surprised by anything that you were able to do, like leading up to the marathon, in terms of like training wise? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the, one of the, uh, runs that stands out and you, you sent me in, in, um, final surge, you sent me a message that you were like, Holy smokes. Um, you had me do a five mile tempo run. It was my longest, it was my longest tempo run in the sense that I did three miles straight at tempo pace. And what did I do it at? Like an eight thirty or an eight fifteen pace or something yep. like that. And like, like, mm-hmm. Like I, I, I just was like, a, I was like a locomotive that day. It was just like all the, all the stars were aligned. Like I felt good. I had my fluids. I had, you know, some goo or you can or whatever. And, um, and I stopped, I did my one mile warm up or two mile warm up. I can't remember what it was now. And it was a two mile warm up, probably a two mile, probably two six mile run. Then it was a six mile mm-hmm. run with a two mile warm up and a one mile cool down and three mile yes. tempo. And I did my two miles and then I stopped after two miles, um, did like some, um, I did, you know, just a little bit of whatever warm dynamic stuff, dynamic stretching, and then a little bit of, um, strides. And then I just started and I don't know if the right songs were playing on my, AirPods or what, but like, I just, I just got into the, I don't normally run that fast, but I got into that pace and I literally felt like, like I was just a locomotive literally. And I I remember you like going bananas when you saw that run and I felt amazing after that. Like that was, so yeah, that was surprised me. Oh, and then the half marathon, because you had me do the half marathon. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I did the Cleveland rock and roll half marathon as part of my training run and you and I had a call Thursday right before the run, and you said, "Okay, Mayor, I want you to, um, d- you know, you've got you can't go faster than a nine minute mile or whatever for the first th- three miles." And I was like, "Yes." I was like, "I don't even know that I like. What is he talking about? Faster than nine minutes? Like, I'm not going to run this half marathon anywhere. Like, why would I ever go faster than nine minutes? You know, like I'm like <laughs> I'm like thinking, no, I, he's insane." Mind you now, right? Because I've never done any, I've never done any rail races. Okay. So I've never right. even done a half marathon. 
So uh, then you're like, okay, and then for like, you know, the working miles, you know, where you're just kind of cruising, I want you to go like from mile four to 10, you know, like don't no faster than 845. And then the last three miles, you know, the race is on, go for it, do whatever you want. And I'm I, all weekend long, I'm depressed. I'm like, Dwayne is out of his mind. Um, there is no way I can run this this fast. And this is going to be a major disappointment which is also stupid, right? Because it's my first half marathon. How could it ever be a disappointment? Just running right. a half marathon. How could right. running a half marathon be a disappointment? It's a real mind game. I, I was going to, I want to say a mind, but I won't because this is a family family <laughs> podcast, but, that, but that's what training is. Right. And so, um, so, you know, I, we all, you and I both know that I crushed that, mar- that half marathon and I only came in like a few minutes after my husband, he said he got done and he went to, he, he, he crossed the finish line and he's like, well, I just got to see where Mare's at, you know, make sure she's okay. And he's like, oh, damn, I got to get back to the finish line because she's like right on my heels. So he he was uh, he it was exciting. Uh, so those are the two very memorable moments from my training for the marathon. The marathon itself, of course, is the biggest uh, yeah. the biggest moment. But and if, if I could summarize there, you know, it, it's just it was just so great to be able to see you like get out of pain, right. Get consistent running, but then also challenge yourself to like do harder speed work and like hard marathon training, honestly, but you were ready for it. And I knew you were ready for it because you had put the work in the consistency. And, um, it was just so great to like be able to see that. And if you can lastly, you know, just share, um, you know, what was like, uh, the best moment in New York and like, or running your first marathon? Um, can I just finish one more thing from what you were just saying? Of course. I know I'm sure we're running out of time, but, um, but I know that you went over, you've gone over before, so we can, I don't even, I don't even know how. (laughs) Okay. So, um, what I was going to say is, um, is that you, that is the whole point is that you, 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 encourage me. You said you've been doing the work and you, you, you can do this. This is a lesson that I know to be true in my professional life, right? So how many exams have I taken? How many, how many, you know, um, for example, um, you know, I trained for four years in, as an OBGYN before I went to fellowship, how many C-sections had I done so that then my attendings would say, look, you've put in the work, you've done C-sections at three in the morning. You've done C-sections in an emergency situation. You've done, you know how to do a C-section when you graduate, like you're good. You know, you, you've got the training. You study for an exam, a calculus exam, a biology exam, whatever you put in the time you're going to do well. And as long as you don't choke, you know, which, which choking is that you're not remembering that you put in the work. Right. And so that's how I felt like you always reminded me you've put in the work and how I felt during the marathon when I, so by the time I got to the start line in New York, I was a little nervous because I already felt hot at the start line. It was a very warm day. It wasn't as warm, I guess, as it was last year, but I like to run 47 to 52 degrees outside. It was already like 59, 60 when I was at the start line for New York. So I already felt warm. And so I was a little nervous about that. Um, and the other thing was I made the um, decision not to run with my pack, um, which I thought I'd never done that before. And I thought, well, I'll be okay because there's fluids every mile. 
What I did not anticipate about New York, I didn't anticipate, even though there's 50,000 people running with me, somehow I didn't anticipate the crowd. I didn't anticipate trying to dodge people. I didn't, I didn't anticipate the heat somehow that would be generated with all those people around me. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't them. I'm sure it was me running in the heat outside, but it was just like, I felt hot um, a lot during the marathon, but my, my legs felt good. My Achilles tendons felt good. I did not cramp up, but by mile 21, I was very dehydrated. Even after just getting water for, you know, every run, every stop, I would get water. And um, by the end, every stop, I was getting a glass of Gatorade and a, a cup of Gatorade and a cup of water. I was pouring them to get down uh, together and just downing it. Um, and, and I, I just couldn't, I was already behind. Like once I was dehydrated, I was behind. So uh, from a learning standpoint, I know how I will do it a little bit differently with future marathons. I probably, if it's warm like that, I probably will run with a pack. Um, it was kind of hallucinating towards the end there, but, um, I think that what I would say that I think surprised me the most about the marathon was the mind game. Um, I, you get sucked down this negative thought process so quickly as you get more and more tired. And I remember my husband was supposed to meet me at 17 miles, but he could not get on the subway to get to that point. So I'm looking, I'm scouring the crowd, you know, as I'm running, which is hard to do because you're trying to run and stay focused, but you're looking for your loved ones amongst thousands of screaming New Yorkers and literally from mile 16 to the Bronx, I couldn't, I was looking for him and couldn't find him. And I was like, I just need a hug from Andy right now. I just need a hug from Andy. And like, I didn't get it. And, um, and so when I crossed into the Bronx, I was starting to feel despair. And, um, some lady as I'm coming out of the Bronx says, only four more miles. And I was like, four <laughs> more miles. Like, how am I going to do that? The you know, are you, you never want to hear oh, while like, you're running a marathon? I, I, know, I was like, are you kidding me? As a matter of fact, when I saw 800 meters, I was like, isn't that like two laps around a track? Like, I can't do this. I had 800 meters left. That's it. And I was like, so your brain really tricks you. Um, my mantras were, um, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Cause I always love that book. And, um, my other one was your, your brain or your mind gives out faster than your body. And every time I would think I have to stop, I have to stop. I would think, why do I have to stop? My body actually feels okay. It, it's just, your brain is just telling you you're dehydrated. You need to stop. You shouldn't be doing your, your brain is literally trying to protect you from yourself, but it, but you really can run four more miles. You know what I mean? I, I don't mm -hmm. know. So so that's, that was what I kind of, but New York, New York was amazing. My husband was there, my two daughters, my son, and three of his buddies who I'm close with were all there. And having them there was, um, it was just the most special weekend. We went out to dinner the night before I had a very, very benign um, spaghetti dinner with <laughs> bread and no butter and just water uh, the night before. And, but had just a lovely dinner with, with the seven of them and they all ran around New York trying to follow me in the marathon. And then they were at the end waiting for me. And my son said, as we're getting on the subway, um, he said, mom, and he's not a runner, but he's, he's a freshman at Ohio state university. He said, uh, mom, if, uh, if Gavin and I train, Gavin's his buddy, if Gavin and I train for a marathon, will you run it with us? And I was like, hell yes, I will. Are you kidding me? Like that's, that's what I wanted. I mean, that's why I wanted them there. You know, I wanted them to see this, that, 
you could take a 49 year old woman who's not a runner, who's busy doing all these other things, but had this goal, train for the goal, prepare for the goal, crush the goal, and then inspired them to do it. Just like my husband inspired me. And I think that was the, that was like the, the cherry on top. When he said that to me, I wanted to cry. I didn't actually cry by the way, until I talked to you like three days later. That's the first time. I know I- that was- <laughs> That was that was good. You needed to get all those emotions out, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I love, I love that your son said that, and um, yeah, you you've inspired him, and I'm really hoping that you know by you sharing your story today that you've inspired probably hundreds of runners, maybe even thousands, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I hope so. If they're questioning, you know, whether they should continue running or if they think that they're getting too old for running or they're, you know, had an injury and they're trying to train and they keep getting injured. Like, I hope, you know, they can resonate with a portion of of your story and know that like there are ways to get over these things, right. And that you can overcome the obstacles. You just need to find the right path. Um, so thank you for like, allowing me to be that guide to get you on that path. Honestly, it's been such a joy working with you. I joked, I joked with you. I was like, I think you're probably the most mentioned person ever (laughs) on the podcast. So I'm like, I have to bring you on the podcast because like everyone's heard this Mary person. So now now you guys know every time I mention Mary in an episode, this is Mary. Um, You can see she's an incredible woman. um, And it's just been so fun, like watching your journey. um, And I really, appreciate you sharing your story and your journey um, with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dwayne. I, I, I owe you so much. I, I have told you this before, like, honestly, the, the, I, I, the fee that I pay you was nothing. The service that you provided was priceless. Let's put it that way. What was that commercial? Like, you know, um, (laughs) you know, uh, the, the cost of training with Dwayne, it equals this, the cost, the benefits from training with Dwayne are priceless. You know, I don't know. <laughs> running the New York City Marathon is priceless. And, um, exactly. And, and um, my husband and I actually just entered the lottery for Chicago. So, oh, I don't know. He's running. That'd be before. amazing. I know. He's that'd running be amazing before. If we could all run it together. I know. I knew, I know that you did too. And um, he's like, do you want to do Chicago? And I was like, yes. You know, and so um, my long-term goal over the next decade or two decades potentially would be to do the big six if I can. Just because mm-hmm. I just think it, and I didn't even know what the big six were, by the way, until like two weeks before the New York City Marathon. Like one of my residents, we were operating in the operating room. She's like, "So, Doctor South, are you going to do the big six? And I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And she's like, <laughs> "Like who, <laughs> who's like signed up for World's Biggest Marathon and doesn't know what the big six marathons are?" Right. I was like, "I was like me because I didn't do any research <laughs> on any of this." You know, but um, yeah. Well, You're like, I mean, is that a college basketball conference? Like, <laughs> I know. Like, I know. What, what's I was the like, big six? <laughs> I know. I know. It's terrible. But yeah, Dwayne, I owe you the world. I really do. I, I really highly recommend you to everybody. I, I give your name out to everybody. Uh, I, I've given your name out to a GI doctor in my area. I've, I've, I really, 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 you've given me the biggest gift. And it really has mean meant a lot to me. And, um, I just, I can't recommend you enough. Oh, well, thank you. I I greatly (laughs) appreciate it. Uh, as you know, and like I said, I'm the lucky one because I get to work with people just like you and yeah, you, you bring 
me those gifts that, you know, I'm making a difference and impacting mm -hmm. runners in a way, quite frankly, that I really wasn't able to impact when I was, you know, working kind of in the clinic model. Um, yeah. So the impact that I'm able to have and, and feel that gratitude for what I do and um, is just more meaningful and enriches my life. So thank you for allowing me to do that. I okay. appreciate that. And mm -hmm. if you guys really resonate with Mary's story and you're ready to take action and get like accountability, get the exact clarity that you need to kind of focus on in getting unstuck, right? Or, you know, reaching your greatest potential as a runner um, like Mary, then, you know, you can get stronger, run faster, become a lifelong injury-free runner with our Healthy Runner Coaching Program. Um, you can get a behind-the-scenes video tour of our coaching program, hear from other clients just like Mary um, by just going to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching. And as always, runners, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and let's just keep on running until next time. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you as always for listening to the healthy runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster and enjoy lifelong injury free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of our six steps to growing as a runner framework at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash grow. Two, follow our Instagram page at Spark Healthy Runner. Three, join our free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Spark Healthy Runner. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons and trainings back here right to you. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching to apply for a one-on-one -on -one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I really, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.